everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk to you about some stuff that you should have learned in school, but they screwed up in some way. Yeah, either they just didn't teach it to you, taught it to you wrong, or taught you only parts of it and left the best parts out. This week, we are talking about things... I was going to actually say that what movie we went to see this week, but I think I'll save that for the end of our beginning of show banter, because I think it leads into what you're doing. It absolutely leads into what I'm doing. So I'm just instead going to talk about the person in our wall. We don't have a person in our wall. We absolutely have a person it's like in we, our wall. I think at best we have a ghost. Oh, goodness. Hello, Hi, Draco. Draco. Or we have four cats who like to make noises and move shit around. So a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting downstairs and I was like, hey, Austin. Map up our upstairs. So he does. I'm like, now match it up with the downstairs that we're currently sitting in. And he realized, like I did, that they don't match. Yeah, there's like a not a big spot, but like probably like maybe 20 square feet of space that there's nothing there, but there should be something there. So I'm thinking we've got some kind of hidden room and we... we Opened the wall in the two places where it was easiest to do so, but wasn't quite directly to it, that we found insulation. So now we have to actually go to the point where we have to break into a wall wall. (laughs) But luckily, Austin doesn't think I'm crazy in this way. I do think she's crazy, but I can work with this. So we are going to see what's going on inside that wall and this is in the spot that's eventually going to be our podcast cave. It's a really, like, it's the only walk-in closet in the house. It, it, but it's a weird walk-in closet. It's like a walk-in closet for hobbits. Yeah, it's really short and really long and has this part of the wall that sticks out in a way no wall should. So we think that there's something that's open back there, but I'm going with Hidden Room. And I think we live in a murder house because downstairs, one of the bedrooms has... The impression of either a slide lock or a chain lock on the outside. So So this was not like a sibling keeping their sibling out of their room. It was someone keeping a person inside their room. It's got like the screw holes and stuff for when someone set like up a latch on the out on a door to keep someone locked inside of a bedroom. Yeah. So there's something super weird about this house. And we've had stuff like going missing lately and then showing back up in really obvious places that we had checked. We had the, I saw a ghost version of you like walk across from the bathroom. I saw, so you know how ceiling fans have those chains that hang down? I saw ours flip itself upward towards the ceiling and then loop itself around itself. To the point where I had to get up and untangle it. And, you know, when a fan moves, it moves the chain a little bit back and forth or a little bit in a circle. Nothing around like this. It would have, and it would have hit the fan itself. So we live in a murder house. And the person who built our upper floor was supposedly an electrician. There is no way whoever built this was an electrician. We've gone through and fixed so many of the electricals. Guys, if you haven't enrolled your children in theater, it's a great way for them to learn hard skills like like construction and electrical work. It's the only place, the only thing you won't learn is plumbing, and there's really not a place to learn plumbing in typical K-12 school. No, unless you go to a really weird school. Or some, a school that has a really good trade program. Yeah. Our walls are actually full of money, drugs, and guns. 
You know, money, drugs, and guns I can handle. I'm just really hoping we don't find a dead body, although that would explain the smell we have sometimes. Yeah. Ooh. So here's a question. If we open the wall and we find lots of money and a dead body, we are 100% taking the money, then saying we found a body and only a body. Actually, I think there is some kind of legal claim we would have to the money unless they're able to tie the money to the murder. Podcast listeners... You're in on this with us now. We'll give you a cut. You never heard us talk about this. This is or our secret. Better. Any podcast listener who actually knows the legality of this money that we are definitely going to find alongside a dead body, do we get to keep the money? I think at best we're going to find like a raccoon skeleton. That is. I think there's a very real chance that we'll find the body of some dead creature up there. Yeah. And hopefully it'll <gasps> a be a house elf. No. We'll find creature. But that'd be really sad if we found his body. What was he doing here? He's from England. Do you think American wizards have house elves? It'd be really fucked up if we did. Yeah, but we aren't great at not being fucked up, as, you know, we'll talk about in my story today. Ooh. So uh, this week we also saw the movie Parasite. We did. And there is nothing we could say about it that wouldn't be a spoiler, because anything we would want to talk about would be a spoiler. We can't even tell you, like... The basics of the plot. I feel like if you tried to explain this movie, for us to explain this movie well, it would actually take longer than watching this movie. It'd be like listening to your four-year-old talk about Paw Patrol. Or anything on YouTube. How anything on YouTube, like what you see on YouTube, no, or a four-year-old a, explain YouTube. Uh, hearing a four-year-old explain YouTube. I don't know if you've ever watched half of YouTube, it's just people talking for a long time about nothing. We would know nothing about that. So basically, like YouTube is like a podcast, but with pretty people who want to be on video. Pretty people, all of them? Okay, people who are okay with being on video. <laughs> Parasite actually kind of leads into mine for okay. two reasons. Because this isn't a spoiler, but I feel like it's something I can talk about. Uh, during it, a character mentions someone called Admiral Yi, and like we're going to set it up like it's crane formation. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Oh yeah, this isn't a spoiler. Yeah, not a spoiler. I told you this wasn't a spoiler. I know what spoilers do. I know. I'm just reiterating for our 10,000 billion listeners that this is not a spoiler. Therefore, you don't need to worry. That's true. So knowing that a historical figure is mentioned is not a spoiler. I had no idea what this was. And then I was kind of halfway thinking about that. Then our president shit stain started bad mouthing the movie Parasite and saying, oh, it's Korean. Why did it win? And I thought, fuck you. I'm researching Korea now. So that's what I did. And I went into and looked up stuff about Admiral Yi. Oh, I remember, he only had problems with South Korea. Oh, yeah, so he only has problems with South Korea. He's totally BFFs with North Korea and their terrifying human rights abusing dictatorship. Wonder what it's like. Wonder what it's like? Wonder what it's like to have a lot of human rights abuse happening right in your own country. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. It sounds like we're leading into multiple things. Leading into? We have multiple th- multiple things. Yep. Ugh. So I'm going to talk about Admiral Yi. Okay. Yi Sun Sin, or if you're Encyclopedia Britannica, Yi Sun Shin. So I'm not entirely sure which one is right. Remember that episode that we did where Encyclopedia Britannica was extremely judgmental? Yeah. The rest of my sources had been unbiased while Encyclopedia Britannica was telling people who believed in... Oh gosh, what was it? Um, left brain, right brain were absolute idiots who deserve to like be locked up. And I'm like, Britannica, whoa! He is one of Korea's greatest heroes and is just a national hero 
him a brilliant naval tactician who saved Korea. So let's go ahead and talk about him. Uh, he was born on April 28th, 1545, into a like, kind of well-known family. Um, Yi passed the military exam in 1576 and became one of the oldest junior officers at the age of 32. Because he was kind of old, he got posted to a northern frontier army and actually became a pretty successful leader uh, in, defeat, in defending a bunch of border settlements and fighting off, like, just, you know, raiders from the north. So he was pretty successful, but his successes made his superiors very jealous. And in something that was actually fairly common in this age of Korea, uh, they accused him of desertion and just basically all of these crimes and a bunch of them agreed to it. So he got stripped of his rank, imprisoned, and tortured because they were jealous of his successes and they didn't want to have a, a powerful rival. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of like how Draco's been treating Fezzik lately. Yes, exactly. This is very similar to what our cats do. And also look what has since happened. At the <laughs> beginning, Draco jumped up and now Fezzik has jumped up. He is a very happy boy. He was eventually released from prison and he re-enlisted just as like an enlisted man. And again, rose through the ranks. Uh, he was uh, became was appointed the commander of a training school in Seoul. And he was then transferred to a small country military magistrate position. Then he continued to rise in the ranks after that and just kept being awesome at his job and being rewarded for it. Until in 1591, he was made the commander of the West Yola uh, Naval District, which was pretty good for them because in 1592, Japan invaded Korea. Now, I'm going to go on a quick note about what was going on in Japan at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, Japan was near the end of a 150-year-long internal conflict, the Sengoku Jidai, which was basically a period of warring states with lots of political intrigue and almost constant warfare. So this force, led by, led by Toyotoma Hideyoshi, he had briefly unified Japan, and use this as an opportunity to fulfill his old master's goal of invading China and Korea. And also as kind of a way to keep all of these you know, well-trained soldiers from revolting and causing trouble in Japan. Speaking of revolting and causing trouble, the boys are fighting back behind me. I'm going to go stop them. Are you making like the cats reenact this as I go through I my story? So. Boys! When we get to the naval battles, Draco I have no upstairs. idea what she's going to do with these cats. No. When, you, when you own cats, they are troubles. All of them are troubles. I don't know. Zumbi's been no trouble lately. I feel like she's the secret instigator. She's nowhere near this. Yeah, then Japan invaded Korea with an army of 158,000 troops and about 17,000 ships. Sorry, 1,700 ships. Uh, this is bad news for Korea. Fortunately, Admiral Yi, who had only been in command for a year, and I will note, had zero naval training or naval experience before this, instituted several reforms. He designed and had commissioned a bunch of heavy cannons for their ships, which was a fairly new thing in this for naval warfare in this area. I mean, European ships had been using cannons for a while, but this was, we're going to put lots of cannons on big ships and see how that works out for us. And pretty well is the answer. He also built the turtle ships. Mitch McConnell in ship form? These are so much better than Mitch McConnell in ship form. These were the first record, uh, they had been like kind of something that had been talked about in Korean history for a while, but he actually built them. These were like armored ships. They had sails, they had rowers, but they were covered in spiked iron plates and kind of looked like a big turtle shell. They also had dragon heads on the front. Some were cannons and some also would spew out smoke. I feel like this is what I would associate with Viking ships more. Oh yeah, and the, they were they were rowed, so they were deceptively fast. Even though um, they were they were rowed. 
They were a road. A road. Okay. Yeah, people would use oars. R O W E D. I was yep. like R O D E. Yes, what's they would. Happening? They were a road. They they had to um they had to hire a bunch of cowboys to come out and break these ships. Then they'd like you know ride them into battle, going yeehaw, shooting their six guns. It would have been ridden even then though. Yep, they rode them. <laughs> also, another stroke of luck. The cannons were completed a couple of weeks before this, and the first turtle ship was tested the day before Japan invaded. In a year, he instituted these reforms. Again, zero naval experience. And throughout this entire war, he was always outnumbered, always poorly supplied, and basically fighting a losing battle. And especially, like, on land, things were going really poorly. Like, cities would fall almost instantly. They were outnumbered. The Japanese troops were very experienced veterans with good commanders and just they were good at war because they'd been doing it for 150 years. And they even pushed as far north and took Pyongyang, which is the current North Korean capital. Mm -hmm. But they went that far north and before they even got slowed down. Yeah, it's important to remember at this point, the Koreas were Korea. Korea. Like, yep. they've been separate Koreas for a well, very short time. How long has there been North Korea and South Korea? I think it's less than 100 years, isn't it's, uh, it? It's, I think, 1955. We never learned about that in school at all. Yeah, we also never really learned about the Korean War. Yeah, not not one mention of the Even Korean though War. I think both of our grandparents were in it. Uh, we had, both had grandparents who were in the Korean War. Yes. So, yeah. I don't think either of them just like to talk about it. No. More bad news for Admiral Yi. Two other fleets were destroyed, basically because they were caught in port, so the naval commanders just destroyed their ships to prevent them from being, being captured and just kind of fled inland. He was one of the few naval commanders left in Korea when all of this was going down. Which, I feel like I should just point this out for people who don't know geography. Japan is an island. Shut up. Don't you, I, I see the look you're giving me. Yeah. I know Japan is an island. Cor- and Korea. So I know have- it's right off the coast of England. <laughs> Japan is an island. So for them to get troops or supplies or anything from Japan to Korea, they got to take a boat at this point because they don't have airplanes yet. Or I guess really, really big cannons to shoot supplies over. (laughs) Why is that funny? That's not funny. I just remember you getting really, really like lost in the word cannon earlier this week. So he was the only large naval force left. He had 24 large ships. 15 smaller ones, and 46 boats, which were basically just like fishing boats that were mostly good for just scouting. Boats, boats, boats. And moving stuff around. So that was his entire force against these 1,700 Japanese ships that were bearing down on his country. He had some advantages, though. Like, for example, he had heavy cannons in his ships uh, that could easily destroy the Japanese ships at range. The Japanese ships mostly used uh, fire arrows, uh Small arms fire. They had arquebuses, which were basically muskets. And again, not a lot of heavy cans on their ships. They'd maybe have one or two on a ship. The Korean ships had between 20 and 30. So much more heavily armed ships. And they also had the turtle ships, which were hard to board because they had iron spikes on them. They would just fire would like, you know, fire arrows wouldn't catch on the iron plates. Bullets would just bounce off of them. And they also had 36 cannons. And were fast enough and strong enough that they could just ram into ships and just start firing in the middle of the Japanese ships. So they were pretty effective. Uh-huh. And of course, Yi was an amazing naval tactician. He would frequently use feints. He'd set up traps. He'd send in some ships to retreat that would cause the Japanese ships to try and follow them. And he'd lure them into traps. 
which was one of his famous one was the crane, the wings of the crane, which is what they talked about in Parasite, in which they would lure them into a spot and there'd be a semicircle of Korean boats with cannons that would just fire on the Japanese ships once they were within range. Again, all the strategy depended on them staying out of range of the Japanese guns and being too far away for them to be easily boarded. That was his strategy, and it worked incredibly well. Wait, what was the strategy before? Be close enough to get border, boarded and shot at? Yeah, that was... that was, Naval warfare at the time was a lot of, okay, we are going to have big boats with lots of people on them, and then we're going to jump onto their boat and fight their people with our with our people and, like, shoot arrows at them. That's dumb. That was naval warfare for most of history. Naval warfare was just ground warfare on the water. Yes. That's dumb. Yeah, so there was one, uh, the Battle of Hansen Island, which was one of his bigger victories. He, he he had three turtle ships at this time instead of just the one, so they'd been building more. In this battle, he lured the Japanese out into a trap. It was the crane wings. He sunk 47 ships and captured 12. After this, the Japanese ended all naval, naval operations. Now, at this point, I'm going to point this out because this is amazing. Admiral Yi has not lost a single ship in combat. Whoa. Yeah. So he has a perfect record at this point. Yeah, in 1592, he captured or sunk hundreds of Japanese ships without losing a single of his own. In 1593, he was promoted to be the commander of all the navies. Uh, He continued to attack the Japanese supply lines, and it slowed down the Japanese advances, uh, combined with the guerrilla fighters inland. Not not like guerrilla fighters. They didn't have trained guerrillas fighting. I'm always disappointed when I hear about guerrilla fighters, even though I know that they aren't actual fighters. I always kind of hope that someday we'll have trained guerrillas fighting in wars. Leave the gorillas out of this. They've had a hard enough existence as it is. Those gentle forest apes. Yeah, and then we, like, let our kids go into their enclosures and have to shoot them. It's been... The gorillas, not the kids. We should have just shot the kid. Harambe. He was a gentle giant. The whole Harambe... Like, I understand why they had to shoot Harambe. I actually do. But I'm like, this is why kid leashes are a good idea. Also, why was there a gap big enough for a kid to get through? But... Kid leashes. Kid leashes. If kid leashes want to sponsor us, I'm on board. Oh, God. I feel like there's some sponsors we don't want. And, like, kid leashes is one of them. I was a leash kid. I was also a leash kid. And this is how we turned out. Do you really (laughs) want this for your children? Hey, I was over a 4.0 student, and I have a master's degree, and I haven't gotten a single driving ticket in over 11 years now. I'm exactly what you want your kid to be. Austin has a beard. I do have a beard. Okay, so never mind. We're pretty perfect. (laughs) Kid leashes, sponsor us. So yeah, he continued to attack their supply lines. He slowed down their advance. And with the help of some um, Chinese troops from the Ming Dynasty, which I guess was the current time, Chinese troops showing up to help. So from the dynasty that was currently in power, not the Ming Dynasty, as we call things like... We don't tend to call things by... We don't tend to give things a title until they're past. Some troops... Unless they're a regime, then sometimes we do. So they, with the help of some troops from them, they brought things to a stalemate and like stopped them at the very far north of Korea. But the Japanese realized if they had to win this war, they had to stop Admiral Yi. And they used a double agent and some spies to kind of set things up. They knew that there was some like, you know, there was still the court stuff was happening and he had some enemies because again, he was very successful. So there were some people who just wanted him out of the way so they could be the big heroes. He was, they decided to lure him into a trap. One of his superiors ordered him to basically sail his ships into a rocky area where they would all sink. And he declined these orders. And as a result, 
uh, was stripped of his rank again, imprisoned again, and tortured again, and actually tortured near to death. Uh, the king actually wanted him killed, but there were still enough people in the support who su- the court who supported him that they convinced them to spare General Yi, which was great because the new commander, Wan Gyun, fucked up royal. The Japanese were able to land uh, 140,000 fresh troops completely unopposed, and he sailed the Korean Navy, which was about 150 ships at that time. He sailed into 500 to 1,000 ships at close range, and they were boarded, and all the Korean sailors were massacred. So you're saying that getting rid of Admiral Yi was a bad idea. It was a very bad idea. He was Commander Yi at this point, wasn't he? No, he was it, it, Admiral Yi. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's, like, there's a lot of long Korean words that I would just massacre. That's probably not a good choice of word right here. Yeah, a lot of long Korean words that I would just mispronounce into the point of shame. So I decided I'm just going to call him Admiral Yi. Okay. Um, of, the, of the 150 ships in the assembled navy, only 13 escaped. Jesus. After this disaster, Yi was pardoned and put back in charge of the navy. Of course. So this brings us to the battle of Myong and Yang. You know what? It says a lot about him that they can still trust him to be in charge of this afterwards. At one point, he received, near the beginning of this, he received an order from one of his superiors to just destroy the ships and bring the crew inland to fight with the ground forces. He responded with, your servant doth have 12 warships under his command, which, again, everything else I've seen was 13, but I guess at this point there were 12, so maybe he picked up another one under his command, and he is still alive. The enemy the enemy will shall never be safe in the Western Sea. So basically, screw you, I do what I want. And so he set up a trap in a narrow strait, and he lured 333 Japanese ships into this trap. Um, his long-range guns in the narrow strait, combined with the tides and just the fact that it was a narrow area for all of these ships, just wreaked havoc with the Japanese. Uh, about 31 of their ships were sunk, and the Japanese admiral was killed and they managed to capture his body, and they were displaying his head to demoralize the Japanese further. Whoa. Yeah. There were less than 10 Korean casualties. Zero ships were lost. You don't have a whole lot of heads on pikes these days. No. And we're worse off for it. Well. Actually, no. With the, some current things, I'm glad we don't have heads on pikes. Yeah, heads on pikes would be would go very badly these yeah. days. And because of his naval victory and the Japanese not being able to really advance past him... The Japanese ground forces that had just been landed were cut off from their supply lines, and they had to retreat. This was Yi's greatest victory, and his one of the most lopsided victories in naval <laughs> history. Thirteen ships against that number should not have won, and it has never happened again. Or s- this was remarkable. This is amazing. You look. You're, what are you staring at? No, I was just thinking Admiral Yi became Arya in Game of Thrones. Kind of, yeah. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. I'm sad that you mentioned that because uh, in a different naval engagement on December 15th, uh, 1598, Admiral Yi died. Damn it! And well, he had to die so he could become Arya. Yeah, a stray bullet caught him through the armpit of his armor and into his chest. Bad luck, basically. And as he was dying, he said to his nephew that was with him, This war is at its height. Wear my armor and beat my war drums. Do not announce my death. They managed to rush his body into his quarters, and his nephew put on his armor and continued to beat his war drums until they had won that battle. Which, again, they won because they followed Admiral Yi's plans, and it worked out. And this was near the end of that war, and it was a big tragedy. Apparently, the entire navy cried 
including the um, the Chinese Navy that had come to join them at this point in their fight <laughs> with Japan. Because, again, Japan, they're going to invade Korea as a staging ground for their invasion of China. It's amazing some of the last words that people have. Some people just have, like, this moment of lucidity right at the end. And clearly he's one of them where it's, this is what has to happen. I mean, he is really regarded as just a genius, a, like a gentleman, someone who is absolutely selfless, who puts, you know, his duty above everything else and just and just kind of like almost like a, almost a martyr at points. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the, his words of like his his last words are famous in Korea. Yeah. I wish I could speak Korean because it's like... I bet it sounds cooler in Korean as we learned from Paris. Oh my God, everything sounds cooler in Korean. Especially watching them like put subtitles down for things that were not words really. It was more like sound effects. Uh Uh-huh. Like like, we do sound effects like... And then they were like kapow, you know? But this was more of like a way of speaking that would sound more like a sound Mm -hmm. effect. It was very cool. Yep. Yeah. So he's still regarded as a hero of Korea. Um, even the English historians admit that he was at least an equal to Lord Nelson. This is the English. <laughs> so yeah, um, he d- there are quite a few honors to to Admiral Yi. Uh, South Korea named their longest bri- suspension bridge after him. Uh, there's a street named after him in Seoul. And he's also on the 100 won coin. Okay. Uh, the turtle ship, by the way, is on the 5 won coin. Which, actually, there is some discussion about... Whether the turtle ship was as great as they said it was, because none of them survived, and all of his big like naval reforms kind of went away after his death. So they kind of, they stopped the turtle ships. We're not entirely sure how they were built. We just have his journal entries and descriptions of them. Dear diary. But some people have built like re- replica replicas of the turtle ships, and then go online and look at them because they are really cool looking. And of course, the king of Korea at the time still hated him. And reportedly had a completely neutral reaction to his death. And so any awards or recognition to Admiral Yi uh, were given after that king had died. Yeah, shit like that still happens today. This guy was cool. I wish we had learned about him and or really learned any Asian history. Yeah, I didn't learn anything other than a couple of broad strokes until I took a Myths and Legends of Eastern Asia class in college. Okay, I'm trying to think, like, in school, the stuff we learned was really just, like, tangentially about Asia. It's like, Marco Polo went there. Then nothing happens until, like, Admiral Perry from the United States showed up there and opened up Japan, and then World War II, and that's all of the Asian history we get, and that's just... As it relates to European and American history. My Asian history was based in world religion classes. Wow. I know that the Buddha that we imagine is not actually what Buddha looked like. It's actually based on someone called, I think, Budai, who was a completely different person. And it was just, he was just known as like a jolly dude. And so like, but Buddha was Indian and quite svelte. And that's most of my memory from that until I taught world religions later on, believe it or not. Lots of cool shit happened outside of Europe and America, and I really wish we'd gotten a chance to learn about it. Oh, we learned about the Great Wall of China, because it's it's big, and... Yeah, we learned that it existed. We don't learn anything else. Yeah. And, like, maybe, like, look at these terracotta warriors from this tomb, and nothing about, like, you know, the Qin Emperor, or the Qin Dynasty. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I feel like the closest we got to learning about Asia was learning about the Middle East, which I know is not Asia. I mean, it's on the Asian continent, but... 
it's it's not what we're but it's not yeah. Eastern Asia, which is yeah. you know not. Why don't we learn about Eastern Asia? They're important to allies and enemies, yeah. depending on the time of the of, and, of history. And more importantly, like we don't we have this weird image of everyone that wasn't Europe was like completely backwards. But they were so much more advanced. They were very advanced, and even at this time, they had like compar- they had comparable technology methods, everything to Europeans. Wasn't gunpowder invented in China? Yeah. Because, I mean, this, at this time, they were using cannons on ships. They were painted as backwards, but they were anything but. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I do remember hearing, like, the occasional anecdote that was basically they were far more advanced than anybody else, and then we took their stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Silk Road was a thing. Yeah, the Silk Road. We did learn about that. Yeah, which was basically how stuff from China got to Europe. Because that's the only reason it mattered. So, yeah, I wish we'd learned this stuff. Yeah. So, you ready for some questions? Yeah. Okay. Will the fact that Admiral Yi never lost a ship be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that you can succeed beyond the wildest expectations of your bosses and still get fired for bullshit reasons be on the test? Are we calling life a test? Yes. (laughs) In the test that is real life, yes, it will eventually show up. Will the fact that the uh, American ironclads from the Civil War were not actually the world's first ironclads, they'd been around for a couple hundred years, be on the test? The, Mer- the Monitor and the Merrimack. We always learned that they were the first. Sorry, I'd never seen a snake yawn before. What? Oh, she, spaghetti's out. Yeah, she just yawned and she opened her mouth like so that her bottom jaw was hitting her throat. Wow. I was actually worried for a second because I didn't know snakes did yawn. Huh. Um, but no, the thing about iron, ironbacks? Iron, ironclads. Ironclads will not be on the test. How about the fact that job experience is not always necessary for success be on the test? Because Admiral Yi had zero naval experience when he took over the Navy. I think at this point we're going to have a hard time forcing that to be on the test because Betsy DeVos. Ugh. Betsy, okay. Yeah. Oh, Betsy DeVos. Zero job experience, but she's fucking up Royal. So. Yeah. She is the, oh crap, what was his name? The new the new naval commander, Won Gyun, who like completely destroyed Korea's Navy. <laughs> I remember watching her initial, like, I guess they would, I guess the best word for it would be interview for the job. I don't think I had ever gotten that drunk without a party being involved. I sat there and just drank the entire time because I was watching my career be turned into an absolute farce. (sighs) Like, by that point, you know, I've been working in my field in, in various ways for decades, and I had all these degrees and all this experience, and then this woman talked about bears and got to be the biggest version of my boss? Come on. Yeah. Okay, well, the fact that the only reason I even looked this up was because the president was an asshole about South Koreans and a movie be on the test. Are you writing the test? Yes. Then yes. Okay. Yeah, I was having trouble thinking of questions for mine. But yeah, Admiral Yi was really cool. Admiral Yi was really cool. And also the Admiral Yi reference in Parasite makes a lot of sense to me now, but I'll talk about it off air. Like, you were making, you were talking about the crane formation thing. Yeah. Did you see me kind of like stare off into space for a second during that? Yes. That's when I figured out why they made the reference in the movie, and I will okay. talk to you about it off air. Why does it have to be off air? Because it's a spoiler. Oh, it's a spoiler? Okay. If, it, if the movie had been out years ago, I would have no problem with spoilers. But it is still in theaters. Guys, go see it in theaters oh my if you God. can. Parasite was amazing. Just like, even if you can't see it in theaters, just It is on it. video now or yeah. DVD. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, check it out at your local library. Or buy it because your local library will have a very long waiting list for it. Go see it. But I recommend theaters just because you won't have the outside distractions. Then since it is a movie you need to read, that helps me as someone with ADHD to not have the other distractions. Although I am really excited to watch that French um, horror series, Malienne. Um, oh, the one that's basically about like your childhood nightmares? Childhood? I still have those nightmares. Oh. You knew that. Yeah, that's right. Um, the idea of the show is that she has this thing that's followed her in her nightmares her whole life, and so have I. You have followed her in her... Oh. And you like I've me. mentioned this to people before, and everybody's like, that's not a thing that happens. So some French TV show went into my brain and pulled things out of my nightmares, except mine's male and hers is female, and made it into a TV show that I have to read because it's in French, and I'm like... God damn it! I can't see this in a movie theater because you know it's I'll be TV distracted. Show. Well, maybe it's maybe it's uh, maybe it's dubbed. I don't like dubbed. Okay. No matter how good the dubbed voice actor is, it just never looks right. It's like it's like going into the uncanny valley with live action. Oh, gotcha. Well, now for something completely different. I'm turning the mic. Back on our very first episode, we obviously talked about Pliny the Elder. And we've had a lot of questions for Pliny over the time, so I feel like our other person got kind of pushed to the side. I talked about Clara Looper. Clara Looper, an amazing, amazing historical figure. Please go listen to our first episode. Even if you hate us, go listen to our first episode because you need to learn about both Pliny and Clara Looper. For very different reasons. Clara Looper was this amazing figure, one of the mothers of the civil rights movement, who worked out of Oklahoma, where I went to school for four solid years. This week, Oklahoma announced that they are going to start requiring teaching of the Tulsa Race Massacre in 2021. And I did not go to school there in 2021, but I did take a whole year of Oklahoma history. And guess what was never once mentioned? I'm going to say this Tulsa Race Massacre was never once mentioned. Not once. And... I also want to add to this, I lived in a town called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. When someone from outside of Oklahoma asks, where are you from, and you live in Oklahoma, or you live in Broken Arrow, you say Tulsa, just like we would say Kansas City, because no one will know where our exact town Mm -hmm. is. The center of Broken Arrow is closer to the center of Tulsa than we are to the center of Kansas City. Therefore, there is no excuse for us not teaching this major part of Tulsan history at all. Before I get... Much more into it. My sources, Mr. I don't cite sources. Citing sources is for squares. Citing sources, people who don't want to get sued. Oh, yeah, like Admiral Yi is going to come back from the grave and sue me. I'm not worried about Admiral Yi. My sources were History.com, New York Magazine, TulsaHistory.org, National Criminal Justice Service, Wikipedia, but actually not about this topic, and NBC News. I actually didn't use Wikipedia at all for this exact topic. Oh, man, look at someone flexing on me. I used it just to look up one fact that was tangentially related, and it didn't even help. So the Tulsa Race Massacre was in 1921. It is one of the largest individual incidents of racially motivated violence in U.S. history, but one of the least taught ones anywhere in the country. So even if I had lived here at that time... I probably wouldn't have been taught it. Were you taught it? No. In 2012, the state Senate tried to pass a bill requiring that it be taught, but it was shot down because they're already teaching it. So why should we make a law to tell them to teach it? Except they weren't teaching it. 
Uh, it had been required by the Department of Education since 2000 in Oklahoma history classes and since 2004 in U.S. history classes, but it wasn't in the history books until 2009. So they were basically saying, yeah, teach it, but we're not going to put it in your history book and your curriculum is actually based on your history book. So don't actually teach it. It's embarrassing. So when they tried to put it forth in 2012, there were opponents to having this be taught. Now in 2021, it's finally actually going to be required. It took them literally a century. The massacre was in 1921. Wow. And they have not been required to teach it until next year. Most, if not all, of the people who were there are dead now. And even if they were alive, they would not be old enough to remember a damn thing about it. Like, you know, maybe they're 101 years old or something. I guess there are people in this world who are 110 who could maybe maybe remember it. But I think we would know that. I think that would have been one of the articles that I would that I found. Yeah. So just to get it out of the way, I'm talking about the G word that comes up in most of our episodes. Genocide. Oh, goody. Now, this is not national level genocide. This is not we're going to kill off an entire population across this entire continent. But it's basically genocide. In 1921, Tulsa was a prosperous over oil town with over 100,000 people. It actually has about 400,000 now. The city had about 10,000 black residents, most of whom lived in a neighborhood called Greenwood, which had its own successful business district called Black Wall Street. Greenwood was actually really successful. In Tulsa, people consider themselves vigilantes a lot, though. Oh, that good old so there were uh, mentality, mobs and lynchings pretty often, with little done to prevent them. And it wasn't just white on black. Anytime white people wanted to lynch somebody, didn't matter what race they are, they just lynched them. God, Tulsa is an awful place. Oklahoma sucks. Yeah, why would anybody want to move to Oklahoma? It's like, it's the worst. Like, there's even a story about them, like, dragging a teenager out of a jail cell, a white teenager, and lynching him because he was suspected of murdering a cab driver. What? And it's actually, it is important to note that uh, their people of all races have been lynched throughout history, although it was white people who typically did the lynchings. But that's only because I want to cover a different one like that later, probably in the near future. So basically, folks really enjoyed just dragging other humans, beating them, hanging them, and while an audience stood and cheered them on, and the cops didn't stop them. Because lynchings are fun. Vigilantes are a good thing. Just watch Batman. Except he doesn't lynch people. He's just a vigilante. So this story starts very similarly to Emmett Till. On May 30th, 1921, a black teenager named Dick Rowland entered an office building on South Main Street called the Drexel Building. There he got onto an elevator with a white female operator named Sarah Page. She ended up screaming and he ran. Police were called and he was arrested the next day. The next day part is important. Because none of this started until he was arrested on May 31st, and it ended on June 1st. It's important to note that this entire thing took place between May 31st and June 1st. The Tulsa Tribune ran a front page story that he had sexually assaulted Sarah Page. One of those accusations that makes no actual sense if you think about it, because an elevator is a small space, not easy to get out of, and you're going to get caught. It's like the time that I was working at Starbucks, and this guy came through the drive-thru and didn't get off his phone, so he drove off without his credit card. And then a few hours later, he comes in in a storm. That girl working drive-thru stole my credit card. Yes, perfect crime. I'll never get caught doing this at my own place of work. Just like, you'll never get caught sexually assaulting someone on an elevator and then trying to run away. Especially because mm -hmm. elevators back then were not like they are now, which is like these steel boxes. Have you ever seen an elevator that was the kind that was run by people like this? Yes. They are like basically glass. 
you're going to get caught. Anyway, that night, the night that he was arrested, a white mob showed up outside the courthouse trying to get the sheriff to give them Roland. The sheriff, Willard McCullough, actually did his job and not only did not turn him over, but had his men barricade the third floor where the kid was being held to protect him from the mob. So he full on did his job here. Good for that sheriff. Yeah, we don't get to hear about that very often. Like, people in these stories don't tend to do their jobs. A little bit later, a group of 25 armed black men showed up, including a lot of World War I veterans saying, hey, we'll do the guarding for you. Again, doing his job, he said, no, go home. Because that's literally not something he can allow. He can't Mm -hmm. allow an armed militia to come into the police station. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like they tried to force the issue. In response to this, because this makes logic sense, the white mob was like, we hate you now, and tried to break into the National Guard armory. Because the sheriff didn't let the black militia in to guard the kid, the white guys got mad and tried to break into the armory. Yeah, this is this is making 100% redneck sense right now. Then, since there was still the possibility of a lynching now that the white guys are trying to get more arms, I don't think they actually managed to break in, 75 more bl- armed black men showed up about an hour later. And then 1,500 white dudes showed up. So we have 100 armed black guys and then probably close to 2,000 white dudes, most of whom are armed because of one kid who was being barricaded in the third floor of the courthouse at this point. People start shooting. Not sure what side started shooting. One side, both sides, doesn't matter. But the black group was like, oh, fuck, and ran to Greenwood because they were so outnumbered. And white Tolsons, instead of going, oh, they're gone, lost their absolute fucking minds. The sheriff had been doing his job. There are still city officials who are absolute human garbage. So they started deputizing these white guys and handing them weapons. Basically saying, go forth, kill the black people. I am giving you official capacity in which to do this and a police weapon. Why? Why? For hours, white people just went into, uh, went into Greenwood and started committing back acts of violence against black people, including just shooting an unarmed guy who made the mistake of going to a movie that night. It's like, so these were not people who were out there trying to fight this mob that had come in. These are just people going about their day, some of whom probably didn't even know what had happened that day. Just being shot by white people now kind of reminds me of what happened after Katrina in that one neighborhood in New Orleans, where it was... Basically, a bunch of white guys misspelled militia and stuff like that a lot of times on the back of trucks and started shooting black people and actually putting out, oh. like, don't, black people don't come here because you are now fair game. That's what this was. Oh, God. This, I feel like we made a mistake when we let the South back in the Union. We've learned so many things. But then the stories about the black insurrection began. Black Tulsans were gathering forces. People from outside of Tulsa were coming in to join them. They were going to fight back. They were going to cause rioting. They were going to start killing all the white people. Except they weren't. None of that was actually happening. Oh my God. This is the same bullshit we hear on Fox News now. Yeah. They, the people in Greenwood were literally trying to either escape Greenwood or hide at this point. And we think 10,000 people, if my math based on something later is right, about 4,000 of them were children. Oh. Yeah. Early in the morning on June 1st, remember he got arrested on May 31st. All of this happened in the evening and overnight on May 31st. We're on June 1st around dawn right now. White people entered Greenwood en masse and lit the town on fire. They looted the businesses as well. Firefighters show up to do their jobs and are turned away at gunpoint. 
Like the firefighters are there and the white guys come after them with their guns and say, get the fuck out or we will kill all of you. So the firefighters can't put this out. The Red Cross would later say that around 1,256 houses burned down. 215 houses were looted but not burned down. And two newspapers, a bunch of hotels, stores, other businesses, and of course, a school, several churches, a hospital, and a library were either destroyed or badly damaged by the fires. Somewhere between, oh, I think it was eight and 10,000 people. No, not, not that many. Um, I'll get to the number later, but thousands of people were left homeless after this, too. And not only were people lighting fires on the ground, there is actually a historical story that people brought in planes to firebomb them. I don't, I found this in one source, and yes, it was a reputable, reputable source, but I doubt it, and here's why. Airplanes were invented in 1903, I think. This is 1921. Commercial air travel wouldn't become popular until the 1950s. Planes were not easily accessible. So unless the military came in and did this themselves, which is not impossible based on what I'm about to say, but I don't think they did, this is unlikely. No, there's lots of rich oil people around. If someone was going to have planes, it would be them. rich oil people. And, th- and like I said, there just wasn't. I only found this on one source. So I don't want to say this definitely happened, but it could have happened. Around noon, the National Guard did arrive. Martial law was declared. I didn't dig super deep. This is where Wikipedia comes in. Wikipedia showed me a list of 14 times in which martial law has been declared in the United States. We know for a fact martial law was declared during this. Wikipedia showed me a list of 14 times. This was not on the list. That's important for a couple of reasons. One being that this is undertaught, and so whoever wrote that Wikipedia page may not have known. Two is that this was actively covered up which I'll get to in more detail. You might think that arrests were not... Oh, um, where did my other thing about that go? Oh, there it is. The National Criminal Justice Reference Service, which is a government-run website, said martial law has been declared nine times since World War II. So that is after this. They didn't have anything mm-hmm. about pre-World War II. Five of those nine times that martial law was declared was to counter desegregation resistance in the South. So we've had to declare martial law since World War II over 50% of the time was because of, of racism. I'm, I'm betting the other, t- the other times are also some, somehow related to, like, you know, other things, like the various riots after Martin Luther King's death or... Yeah, they didn't... Yeah. It, I just read the abstract for it. I didn't want to okay. read this whole, like, thesis. Five out of the nine times were because of desegregation resistance. You might think that arrests weren't happening during those riots and massacre stuff, but that's not true. The Oklahoma National Guard shows up and arrests the entire black population. What? If they had not already been arrested or in or put, or put in some kind of lockdown by other people, they were arrested by the National Guard. Now, I'm not now that's this where I get a little confused because there was a population of around 10,000 black people. 6,000 arrests were made, which makes me think about 4,000 of them were children or had escaped because I didn't see a whole lot about them arresting children specifically. And I feel like that would have popped up. But basically, if you were black, you ended up arrested and held at the Tulsa fairgrounds. And I went to the Tulsa State Fair almost every single year when I lived there. And I wonder if it's the same fairgrounds and it was just never brought up. And some of them were held for up to eight days. What? They and most they had not committed a crime in many cases. They were no. just residents of Greenwood who had miraculously not died. And they got arrested for being black and for no Dude, other reason. Fuck Tulsa. Jesus. It implies that it was in part, this is a 
TulsaHistory.org was actually a really good source for most of this, and they were very judgmental for the most part, but they kind of implied this was for the safety of the black people. I'm like, you know what would be really safe for them is uh, arresting the white guys. Yeah, like maybe these rioting, murdering, not even vigilantes, because this isn't like justice. This is just spite. You want to know how many people were prosecuted after this? How many? Zero. White or black. Zero people were prosecuted. The people who were arrested who were black were held because they were black. No white people were arrested or prosecuted at any point by any level of government. No white people were arrested as far as I could find at all. Yeah, I think we have found very definitive evidence that there is not time travel. Because Mm -hmm. someone should have, someone would have traveled back in time and just, I don't know, done something about this. Now the official death count of all of this is 26 black, 10 white people dead. It's a lie. It is yeah. a big pile of bullshit, which I will talk to you more about in a second. With that count, though, let's pretend for a second that that is real. The Tulsa Race Massacre is the second deadliest riot in U.S. history, beaten by the New York Draft Riots of 1863, which had 119 deaths. This is where I remember how remember how long I told you this lasted. Uh-huh. It started May 31st into June 1st. The draft riots began on the 13th of a month and ended on the 16th. So it was somewhere between three and four days for them. This was 18 hours. In 18 hours, even using the bullshit official numbers, they had the second deadliest riot in American history. 35 city blocks burned to the ground in Tulsa in 18 hours. Now, let's talk about how the black people were allowed to leave jail. You know how, you know, typically when you're allowed to leave, you pay some bail, you sign some forms, you might have to go back to court later. I don't know that I've ever been this angry. In order to be released from jail for being black while living in Tulsa after a massacre of your people, a white person had to come, sign you out, and take responsibility for your behavior for the rest of your life. Basically, they were the co-signer on your existence after that. A white person had to come vouch for you, for you to be allowed out of jail after being arrested for your home being burned down by white people. Yeah, just, why, why, why Tulsa? And the thing is, in history classes, if we were taught this, I'm sure they would focus on the fact that that means 6,000 white people did come to the rescue. No. No. 6,000 white people did not come to the rescue. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, and that's great that there are people who were like, you know why I want to get these people out of jail. That's great. Where were they during the massacre? Why weren't they stopping it? Why did they allow this to happen in the first place? Why did they elect these officials who deputized these dumbasses? It's great that these people went and were like, okay, I'm going to put my neck on the line for you because from now on, I will be also in trouble if you do something. But that also kind of assumes that they're going to do something. I don't, like I said, I don't know that I've ever been that angry. In order for you, a black person, to be let out of jail, a white person had to come say you were okay. I mean, okay, I want to really interject more in this, but all I would be interjecting is like, oh, that's some bullshit. It's like, this is awful. Mm-hmm. And fuck Tulsa. Like, just, oh my God, why are we letting Tulsa still be a city? Tulsa also refused offers of outside aid to their largely homeless and impoverished Greenwood population. Of course they did. The Red Cross was like, fuck you, and came in anyway. And the director became the creator of one of the few remaining official documents of the time. He kept a journal of everything that was going on, which is one of the few official documents that remains. A lot of other individuals from Tulsa and the surrounding area also came to help, but I didn't have a way to write about that at all that didn't sound white savory. So it's not to downplay the fact that people came to help. That is great. That's important. 
you should always go help no matter what race anybody is that's involved. You shouldn't feel like you shouldn't help just because you're white. But I also don't want them to be the focus here because white people are the villains in this story. Okay, I feel like the reason Tulsa gets hit by so many uh, tornadoes, <laughs> so, her, so many tornadoes is because of this. This is whatever divine force of justice is in the universe trying to wipe Tulsa off the map for this bullshit. They have this thing there called gust tornadoes. Which is basically an itty bitty tornado that hits a very small area. And by very small, I can, I mean, like it can be just a few feet. We had one hit our backyard Mm -hmm. when I lived there. So this was, they actually said like, if you live in this exact suburb, get into hiding now. And Oklahoma for the most part doesn't have basement. So he went into the cupboard under the stairs like Harry Potter. And when we got up, we got out, everything was fine after a few hours. The next morning, my dad pulls out of the driveway and our lawn furniture is down the street, <laughs> and it is wrought iron lawn furniture. Wow. The entire set is down the street blocking an intersection. So he goes, and he gets it and brings it back, and he brings it back to the backyard, and our massive grill is upside down in the middle of the yard. <laughs> our next-door neighbor had toddlers. There were toddler toys in their backyard, untouched. <laughs> so I sure hope that they're not coming after us for this, because yeah. we aren't the much of the... We are not the massacring types in my family, to the, as far as I know. No. As Tolson's work to rebuild, segregation got worse, and the KKK, which was actually relatively new in Oklahoma, got stronger. There was also a full-blown, let's pretend this never happened. Official, let's pretend this never happened. Uh... Remember how the Tulsa Tribune ran that front page story? Yeah. They literally removed it from their archives. That was gone. Whoa. Unless you had a newspaper from that day, there was no evidence that that existed. The police and the state militia destroyed all documentation about this entire event. So the actual police presence, the militia, anything that was there that day, gone. This was a concerted official effort to make this have never happened, which makes it very interesting when it comes to the burials of the people. TulsaHistory.org even calls it one of the most significant events in the city's history, but the city itself tried to make it disappear. If you're a fan of irony, that's great. It wasn't until the 1970s, after the 50-year anniversary, that people actually were like, wait a second, okay. I've been hearing about this thing my entire life, but I've never learned about it. I've never seen anything about it. Is this true or is this one of those local legends that only 50 years ago we massacred people? In 1996, when I lived there, by the way, they actually held a service at Mount Zion Baptist Church, which had been burned to the ground, and a memorial was put at the Greenwood Cultural Center. Didn't say a damn word about it in my school. Wow. But in fairness, this was the year after Oklahoma history, so it's unreasonable to expect them to mention this major oh, historical no. but, thing. But they were teaching it. I mean, why Why do they need to make this a law? They were definitely teaching it. Mm-hmm. In 1997, again, still lived in Oklahoma, never heard about this. An official state government commission was created caused, called the 1921 Race Riot Commission. It consisted of historians and scientists who looked into unmarked graves and tried to find any accounts that they could. But remember, it's been 75 years at this time. Most people who would have been old enough to remember this are long dead. You might be lucky to have a few people who are like 10 to 15 years old that are still alive and hopefully still lucid enough to actually tell you this. Or there might be grandkids of somebody who's like, here's my mom's dick, my mom's diary from that time. They're not going to be able to get much in the way of firsthand accounts. In 2001, they concluded that the number 36 was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And between 100 and 300 people were killed, making this bigger than the New York draft riot. This is the, unless they had 
118 or fewer die, this is bigger. And more than 8,000 people of the 10,000 residents of Greenwood were homeless. The commission ultimately said these were not myths, not rumors, not speculations, not questioned. These are historical records. As some people were actively denying that this happened or that things were exaggerated, kind of like the Holocaust. In this case, though, unlike the Holocaust, there weren't records and there are minimal photos. There are photos. If you go to the internet, you can find some. Minimal. In 2018, they made the very wise decision to change the name of the commission from the Race Riot Commission to the Race Massacre Commission. Because that's what it was. Riot implies people were a little more willing and a little less genocide-y. The whole time, there had been rumors of mass graves. Remember how I said that this kind of makes yeah. the burial thing a question? There have been rumors of mass graves in the hundred years since this happened. Neither, we don't have HBO. You know the series Watchmen has been getting like really good reviews. Yeah. Their pilot episode was the Tulsa Race ma Massacre. And they go to the mass graves during it. Now, obviously, this is fiction. Mm -hmm. This is a fictionalized version. People were kind of like, wait, what is this thing? What did this really happen? People start researching it. In December of 2019, employees at the University of Oklahoma found what they believe to be a mass grave at a city cemetery from that massacre. They used geophysical scanning, which basically lets you like scan the underground area for anomalies before you start to dig. Because like used to be, we yeah. would just start digging and be like, hopefully we find a skull. And now you actually get to look first to see if it's worth the time and the effort. I think this is how they find bodies in backyards now yeah, or like under uh, turnpikes. Uh, I think they call it ground, ground penetrating radar. You may have seen it in the uh, classic film Jurassic Park. <laughs> see, I'm thinking more about the time like they always knew that the dad had killed the mom and the kid had even said like, my, he told me my mom was buried in the backyard. But by the time they listened to her that somebody else had bought the house and they didn't want their yard dug up without reasons, they used this. You and I have very different associations with this. So they in the Oak Lawn, Oak Lawn Cemetery, they found two spots that they believe to have mass graves. One of them is a 30 by 25 foot trench. The number of bodies and the condition thereof is unknown. And then they also think there is something similar in the Booker T. Washington Cemetery, also in Tulsa, but it's pri it's a private cemetery, so they need permission to go in and scan. They have not been given permission yet as of the time of this article. They are securing the sites, but they don't know what the next steps will be, if they'll be allowed to excavate. Excavation will be incredibly difficult. Exhumation is very unlikely. It's likely that they will just see if it is a mass grave or not. And identification is probably impossible. So even if they have people who are like, my relatives disappeared, the condition that the bodies will likely be in, it will make it impossible to identify any of them. But yeah, so it sounds like the mass graves are probably real. Wow. Now, that could very much be part of the cover-up. That could also be we can't afford to bury our loved ones that we were not expecting to bury. Here's a big open grave that you can put That's them like in. If, I guess it's like we have lost everything and family members died. Yeah. This was... Just all around an absolutely shitty situation. And yeah. Fuck you, Tulsa. Yeah. So now, though, you might have forgotten by Dick, about Dick Rowland by now. I hadn't forgotten about him. So he was that kid. He's a teenager. Yeah. He's sexual assault at the beginning of this. He was inside the courthouse the entire time. He never was part of the massacre. He was never out there. Because at some point during those 18 hours, all the charges were dropped. He didn't do anything. Wow. He had never assaulted Sarah Page. And they were still coming to kill him. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Sarah Page dropped the charges. I don't know if the city dropped the charges. I don't know if Sarah Page ever even made the charges or if it was just the city that did that. There is no information about her that I could find. What they believe happened is he stumbled and bumped into her and possibly stepped on her foot. 
which would result in a startled scream. There is no evidence whatsoever that he assaulted her in any way. So he was allowed to leave once the massacres were over. Like usually if your charges are dropped, they let you go right away. And with him, they were like, nope. Yeah. Nope. You stay. You're nope, staying. Nope. There's still a, there's still a <laughs> bunch of there's still a bunch of angry idiot white people out there trying to break into an armory and kill you. So you're gonna stay here for a little. Yeah. Bit. It's like I don't know what the sheriff was doing during the massacre. What if anything he was trying to do to stop it? Because there is little evidence that the police tried to stop it. I mean, but at least he did this part of his job. It's like what? It's like what? Fifteen hundred people? More than that by the end. Yeah. It's like thousands. Thousands. That's like more cops than were probably in the state of Oklahoma. There was, there was nothing they could do to stop that. Well, today, Greenwood's still there. It is still largely African-American with them making up about two-thirds of the whole population. It actually sounds like a really cool area. It has like this arts district. They're planning on putting a BMX headquarters there. They have a minor league baseball team. And they this I thought was really cool sounding. They have a shopping center made out of empty shipping containers. Okay, that is pretty cool. Yeah. So it's still there and they are undergoing currently like a major revitalization at the centennial of all of this happening saying, look, we're still here. Fuck you. So at least there's that. And so not a whole lot of a happy note to end this on. No, but Jesus. But, you know, they went from having being this booming district in the 1920s for the black population to 80% of their population being homeless now to being a pretty thriving district again. Got quite the bell curve. Oh my god! So <laughs> I had heard a little bit about this like before. Just like it was just kind of much. Like that was like one of the like deadliest riots in American history was in Tulsa, and like no one's ever heard about it. And that was all I'd heard. And hearing all of it laid out, it's just ugh. one of us has to be a major bummer every episode, and it seems to be me most of the time. Man. Of course, I'm the one who's like getting into racism and sexism most of the time. And you're like, look at this cool admiral. And I'm like, God damn it. Why can't I be like you sometimes? I am a simple man of simple pleasures. Well, I think I know what I'm covering next week. I hope anyway. And if I am, I think it's a little lighter. Okay. Aliens. It's okay. Um, I'm looking into, uh, I'm, I'm currently reading a book, which is going pretty slowly because there's, I'm taking way too many notes. And I, need to, I need to stop. But it's. Yes, this was one that was recommended by Pliny the Elder, wasn't like, it? Like a month ago, and yeah. I'm like halfway through this book, and I love it. So Pliny, we did listen. He yeah. is reading it. I'm going to try and get to that next week, and I am so excited. Because it's got everything I love, mm-hmm. and everything that's going to get you rambling about something. So it's a great <laughs> one for us. You have your questions? No. Will the fact that nearly the entire black population of Tulsa was arrested, but no white people were, be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that a white person had to sign out and take responsibility for a black person before they could be released be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that Greenwood was actually thriving in the 1920s before this be on the test? Yeah. And will the fact that Oklahomans were so into into vigilante justice that they lynched anybody they could be on the test? No. I don't understand why we don't talk about, like, why don't we talk about the fact that People of all ethnicities were lynched, but the white guys were always the bad guy in that. Oh, that's like... Like, I'm not saying that it wasn't affecting black people at a much higher rate, because it was. But if we're going to be the villains in history that we are, let's, let's let us be those fucking villains. Because it's, it's weird. It's like one of those, like, Western things where it's like, it was out on the frontier and in these lawless areas that have been so goddamn romanticized. That's like, oh yeah, these cattle rustlers, we caught them and we're just going to string them up. And... And then apparently it carries over into 
Oklahoma of all fucking places, and they keep doing it into, like, well into the 20th century. Yeah, we forget that how recently this was happening. I mean, lynchings still happen. Yeah. Just not very often. And then... And then there are variations on them that's like, it's not quite a lynching. It's not quite in a tree, but maybe it's on a fence post. People are still dragged behind trucks. People are like, it's, we, we are not learning. No, extrajudicial killings are just a bad idea. Oh my God. The slaughter that they did of um, Bloomberg at the debate. Jesus. Or they were like, hey, remember all of these things you did that Trump also did? Remember yeah. all of them? Oh, they just didn't get my joke. Hey, remember when Trump said that? So, you know that um, scene in Game of Thrones where Daenerys is talking to all the Dothraki lords and, like, you know, she just goes, shuts the doors and starts just knocking over the, the like, the torches and the braziers so they all burn to death and she just walks out? I feel like that's what Elizabeth Warren did to Bloomberg in this debate. I feel like that's what Elizabeth Warren does in most rooms she enters, which is why people are afraid of her. It's like, look, we have this completely qualified candidate right here who's been doing this for decades and understands things at the national level. And then we've got a two-term mayor. I think it's two terms. Uh Uh-huh. Of a small town in Indiana. Not Indiana. Colorado, isn't it? Indiana. Really? We're talking about Booty Shake? Yeah, I thought he's from Colorado. He's from Indiana. Are you sure? I'm like 9,000% sure that he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Okay, I'm sure you're right. I'm mostly just mad at him right now. He's basically like a character from Parks and Recreation, but without the fun and charm. I'm I'm mad at him right now. And then there's like Joe Biden going, wait, we're not talking about my racism right now? Cool. Now, I mean, granted, he never referred to somebody as a horse-faced lesbian, at least. Yeah. Or if he did, he didn't do it in public, which is... Not great. Not great. But I also don't think he probably would have. I, I like Joe Biden. I do not plan on voting for Joe Biden in the primary. But, you know, he's not bad. Oh, I'm thinking of Hickenlooper. Yeah, Hickenlooper was the governor of Colorado. He's running for he's running for the Senate seat in Colorado against, I want to say, Gardner? Gartner? I don't know. I don't know. Garten? Someone. But yeah, it's like the main point here is not so much who we're voting for, but how much Elizabeth Warren slaughters everyone around her and no one seems to notice. God, I, she is 100% the smartest, most qualified, best prepared person running for president, I'm going to say, in my lifetime. And yet. But she made the mistake of being born female. It's like what it's a like, terrible choice. I mean, I made a pretty bad mistake by being born into a not rich family. Yeah, why? Why do we make these choices we make? I don't know. It was like I was a baby. It was a bad decision. Yeah, it's like we if we'd been smart, we both would have been born rich white men. Yeah, I got I only got two out of the three, man. Only two out of the three, and I am wasting my white male privilege. I am white, and that's as far as that goes. Yeah. But I am very white. I don't know. I think I'm still whiter than you. Well, remember, I put on some tanning lotion earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, but not on my face because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm still... still like, cracks me up. I'm still nowhere near a skin tone. Yeah, you're, you've gone from, um, I'm going to say, copy paper to... Resume paper. Resume paper. Yep. <laughs> uh, so what's something you learned? Just fuck Tulsa. Jesus. Just, I knew it was bad, but oh my God. Yeah. 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 
I never heard about this until they announced this week that this was going to have to be taught. I, think I that, lived there. I brought this up like t- I thought, during oh, my Clara Looper episode. During the thing. Clara Looper episode. No, you brought something about an Air Force, about the Air Force. I think. Yeah, I think it was, I misheard something about, yeah, it was like the, the bombing. But yeah, that was just, oh, dude. Yeah, there's just nothing positive to take out of mine other than at least it's not 1921 anymore. Yeah, we've gotten cutting considerably better in the last hundred years in some ways. The one thing that I mentioned in here that I didn't actually say was the difference between now and then. And the thing that makes now a little better is 24-hour news coverage. They can't pretend shut doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. They can't be like, oh, let's just lose this newspaper page. Because even let's pretend for a second that the news coverage was like, nope, we're not going. YouTube. Yeah. People get Uh, off their fucking phones and be like, look what is happening. Yeah, we live in a world in which Beyonce, Beyonce cannot get rid of an unflattering photo of herself from the internet. There's no way that this is going to stay hidden. Yeah, it's like, now. I mean, we still have shit like this happening in like Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah. So I can't say that we are necessarily better people on the whole, but I can say that we can't fucking hide it anymore. Yep. So did you learn anything about Admiral Yi? I learned that Admiral Yi exists. I feel like that's my answer half the time that yeah. they existed. Give me a fact. I like that he basically was an army of like 150 total against thousands and was like, oh no, we got this. It's like, I like stories where where the guy shouldn't win. It's like, you know, Harry Potter, they're really like an army of three for a good chunk of it. And they're like, nope, we're still going to take you all down. So does that mean you're going to watch that really awesome looking Ben Affleck movie where he he coaches that team of basketball players who are kind of misfits into being great? No. I'm not a big fan of white savior movies. Or Ben Affleck. Or, oh, I did, I did love, he gave up his full ride to Kansas because he didn't want to be a basketball player because his dad wanted him to. I'm like, I'm sorry. He didn't want to go to college for free because he wanted to piss off his dad. I actually, we're going to Lawrence in a few weeks. Yeah. We're going to go see Welcome to Night Vale live. I am so excited. I love Welcome to Night Vale. Austin doesn't like podcast fiction. Yeah. Which he loves audiobooks. I can't figure out how he sees a difference. I think it's, I, I don't know. There's just like, it's something about it's just not right. I think it's because you don't want to wait. That might be it. Because like Austin also didn't want to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine until the season was over because he didn't want to wait. Yeah. See, I'm like, I want to watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine so I don't get spoilers. So we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I win. Yes, she always wins. Austin, you can't apply that to things like Masked Singer. Ugh. Well, we are in the middle of a transition over uh, from Anchor to Podbean as our host. That's why you didn't hear, potentially didn't hear the Anchor ad last week, and you're not going to be hearing one this week. It's not that we are like angry, fuck you, Anchor, or anything. It just was no longer the best fit for us. Yeah, it wasn't reporting all our metrics very well. So who knows? We might learn that we have more than like, Seven listeners. We have like 12, 13. <laughs> so we are in the middle of that. There might be some hiccups along the way. We're still working on getting the 301 redirect to work. So there's a chance that I'm saying all of this, but no one can hear it yet. True. I mean, we're recording this. This isn't live. I'm going to punch you in the face. Abuse. Abuse. Abuse! So what I understand it as, though, is that it's just kind of slowly transitioning. So hopefully it'll be done. They said it might take up to a week. And by the time this goes up, it will have been a week. So fingers crossed that that all works. Hopefully you'll be getting more stuff from us, both on our podcast and on our social media. Yeah, you can find us uh, at On The Test Pod on Twitter, at On The Test Pod on Instagram, uh, at On The Test Pod on Facebook, and what's our website again? OnTheTestPod.com. 
Yeah. We tried to have a longer one, but it just didn't work out for us. And no. I really hate, because our email address actually is willthisbeonthetestpod at gmail.com. And I'm like, I hate typing this. It's too long. So if you want to reach us, go to social media or yep. just go to our website. There's a contact page on there. Oh, yeah. Get a hold of us. We'd, we'd love to hear any corrections, suggestions. He would. Uh, compliments. I want, I want compliments. We had a complete stranger give us a positive review on Apple I, on I Apple Podcast. Like we were like looking at it, going, "Who the hell is this?" Because we assumed it was someone we knew, and so we like we contacted the one person who it could have been, and they were like, "What? No, I don't care that much about you." So, yeah. <laughs> no, even though actually, which is really weird because we noticed the positive review, and my sister was like texting me like, "Oh my god, why did you think platypuses were grosser than cholera? You're, what is fucking wrong with you?" And was that's, my sister. And that's who we thought the other person might have been. But it wasn't, so... But... I don't know. Hey, friends and family, why haven't you reviewed us yet? Come on. Dude. All of you have Apple fo- Apple phones. All of you. All of you. Do you not know how to do it? I'll come over and help you. Granted, we tried to do that on uh, over Thanksgiving break and none of you let us. Thanks. <laughs> So we know you're listening. We know you're listening. We know that you knew what we were up to. But also, if you're not one of our friends or family, you're also allowed to rate and review and subscribe. And to that one stranger who did, thank you very much. We are very excited about it. And if we get get enough, like, you know, five-star reviews and, like, all that stuff, uh, we are going to do a bad movie review podcast. So, heads up. An episode, probably not a an whole episode. podcast. Not an entire podcast, just an episode. Although we we could do a bad movie review podcast. We could just we could. We love our bad movies. We've got a Nicolas Cage one downstairs right now. On Valentine's Day, all we did all day was watch bad horror movies. It was a great day. Yep, eight ribs in bed, watched bad horror movies. Valentine's Day is stupid. It's the dumbest. But we did eat sixty dollars worth of candy, so because we're adults. And our Girl Scout cookies came in just in time because we're starting to run out of that candy. All right. So hopefully next week I will have a little bit more positivity to bring you. And Austin will have a lot more gross medical stuff to bring to you. That's what we do best. And on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.